Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. We are now recording and delivering our first game preview of the 2023 season. Finally, games are here. No more talking about coaching changes. No more talking about roster turnover. No more talking about, well, we probably still will talk about culture and all this stuff, but for now, we can focus on games and results and production, and so I'm excited about that. Miami, The Miami Hurricanes, of course, are going to host the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks Friday night at Hard Rock Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff, and it will be televised on the ACC Network. So we're going to do a little preview here of that matchup, talk about Miami of Ohio Red Hawks, and then go into how we feel like the Hurricanes uh, match up against them, etc. First, though, Gabby, um, I think we got to discuss an interesting development with the roster this week. You reported that the Hurricanes added a transfer defensive tackle from Alabama, Jamil Burroughs, who is from the class of 2020. I think he was a high three-star rated recruit coming out of high school. Seems like he's played, what, about 200 snaps. Uh, but Gabby, this this seems like a depth move for the Hurricanes moving forward at a key position of need. Tell us what we need to know about this situation. Yeah, uh, you know, signs of Alabama in that class of 2020, but had the offer, had offer, his offer sheet was super impressive. I mean, Clemson, he was, he was at one point committed to Georgia, uh, had Ohio State and Notre Dame and Oregon and lit- any offer that you can think of. Uh, Jamil Burroughs had them, you know, selected uh, the Crimson Tide, uh, has three years of eligibility uh, just because of that 2020. That 2020 COVID year was his freshman season. And then he redshirted technically in 2021 because he only played in three games, uh, had his most significant playing time 
you know, here in uh, this past season in 2022 and, you know, was looking to have like an elevated role maybe in 2023 before a situation uh, kind of emerged that had him, you know, kind of separated from the Alabama program. Uh, Miami, as we know, has been looking for defensive tackles in the transfer portal uh, and, you know, again, found a way to sneak Jamil Burroughs in here the week that school started uh, before that enrollment period closed. And look, I, I don't think that there's too much fans should expect from Jamil Burroughs in 2023. From my understanding, they are not going to really they're not planning for him to get on the field, whether that be because of, you know, eligibility or just because of maybe uh, a result of the incident that occurred at Alabama. Truthfully, I'm not sure, but I don't think that this is a 2023 move. So don't expect a uh, big Jamil Burroughs to be running, you know, getting on the field next to Leonard Taylor or anything like that. But uh, I think it's a it's a good way for them to kind of add a body type that they need for the future. And, uh, you know, that that's what they did here ahead of the 2023, the 2023 season in Jamil Burroughs. So, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a long term move for Mario Cristobal and and his staff to kind of get him in the in the building and get him acclimated for the next really 365 days before Miami, Miami kicks off that 2023 season, uh, 2024 season against Florida. So how do you view him as a as a defensive tackle talent? Is it I don't know much about him, honestly, but would you expect maybe like is he similar maybe to like an Ahmad Boten? Does he have a little more juice than like an Ahmad Boten? Is that a fair expectation or, or can he be like a productive starter? What's the sense you get from Miami? Yeah, uh, I mean, just quickly, I don't I don't know if he's actually gotten on the field yet, you know, laced up the cleats or anything like that. I think he's just kind of been around, you know, he's been around those guys here over the course of the week, Um, you know, so I, I mean, truthfully, I'm not sure. I know that I, I could definitely see him being, uh, you know, just again, kind of like just that big space eating body. But, you know, he's definitely a pass rusher, you know, I mean, pass rushing interior type of guy generated, uh, you know, 14 pressures. Um, 10 quarterback hurries in, I think it was like 160 snaps, uh, for, for the Crimson Tide last fall. So he's definitely a guy, even in limited opportunities can, can kind of make things happen. And, um, you know, I think there was a clip on Twitter that kind of circulated in, in eight snaps against Arkansas, uh, this past season, he generated two pressures. So, you know, he's a guy that can, that can get to the backfield in a hurry, get after the quarterback. Uh, so, you know, I think he's someone that's absolutely just going to really just, again, may, maybe he's not like you know, day one starter type, again, I'm talking about 2024, but I think he's exactly what they're looking for as far as the size and, and skill set. And I think he's absolutely going to be someone that's part of that rotation. Again, they like to rotate those defensive linemen. So I think Jamil Burroughs is going to be a key part of that, uh, you know, assuming everything kind of goes smoothly here over the next year. Nice. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices, ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke.
Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel one, the number one at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Peace. Okay. Let's hop into the matchup here Friday night. Again, Miami Hurricanes against the Miami Red Hawks. And uh, from an injury standpoint for the Hurricanes, really at this point, Gabby, I, I have my eye on just kind of two guys that, you know, we, we kind of know have been dealing with some sort of injury lately. And I don't, I don't think they're overly serious. But I think they are injury situations that you just got to have in the back of your mind when you're watching and evaluating the performance. Um, and that goes with Tyler Van Dyke's thumb deal. Um, you know, I, again, I keep getting mixed signals about, you know, whether or not it is something that's going to impact his performance. Uh, I think there's no doubt he's going to play, um, but but how impactful is it going to be on performance? I think we'll just have to see how that goes Friday night. Um, and then Elijah Arroyo's hamstring deal. Uh, you know, Mario Cristobal said he's full go, all that good stuff, but let's see how it looks on Friday because hamstrings can be delicate and they can linger. So uh, those are two key players on the offensive side of the ball that I think are worth monitoring. Obviously, quarterback, big deal. And uh, Elijah, a healthy Elijah Arroyo would be a big part of their offensive plans. Um, so we will see how he is used in game one. All right, let's get into Miami of Ohio talk, kind of set the table for who the Red Hawks are, uh, their key players, what we feel like are the strengths and the weaknesses. And uh, I think, Gabby, we got to start with Mr. Brett Gabbert, the quarterback, um, brother of Blaine Gabbert, the former Missouri star quarterback, current, I believe, backup with the Kansas City Chiefs, last I saw. Um, you know, Brett, I think, is a senior quarterback, veteran guy. I think he has 19 starts to his name. And... Um, He's coming off an injury plague season last year. In 2021, he threw for about 2,600 yards, 26 touchdowns, about five picks. So he does a good job of protecting the football. Um, and he's a guy that I think when you watch Gabby, clearly plays with a lot of moxie. Um, I think he is the engine that definitely makes them go. And I think that's especially going to be the case this year where I feel like they have some question marks at the skill positions around him going into the year. They got to figure out what they got there. Um, but overall, I think Brett Gabbert's a very nice little test here for the Miami defense in week one. What, what are your impressions of him from the games that you observed him play? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely, you know, goes through him. Uh, I, I think that the, the mind or oh, the Red Hawks offense, uh, you know, really kind of is at its best when when Brett Gabbard is back there, you know, quarterback family, uh, you know, definitely the moxie. I mean, he's a competitor. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, kind of he kind of drives the boat, right? Like he's the guy that that kind of makes that offense go. Um, you know, I think he makes I, I think when he's at his best, you know, I think he it's when he's kind of like a quick decision maker. Um, you know, when he's able to, I think when he, I think his he's really just kind of like maybe short to intermediate type is I think probably his bread and butter when he has to kind of push it downfield. He obviously can, but like you said, I think that there's definitely some question marks uh with those outside receivers with his top uh, you know, his top wide receiver, uh, you know, just out of Miami, Ohio. Like he's just not, I think he, I guess he graduated the Mac Oppenheimer or whatever his name is. Uh, mm -hmm. That was kind of his guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not there anymore. So uh, I, I think Brett Gabber is, you know, again, I think he's a fine group of five college quarterback. You know, uh, he, I think he led them to a Mac championship conference championship as a true freshman uh, was close to kind of getting him back there in 2021 uh, again, missed some time. Uh, but I, uh, in that 2022 season, but uh, he's a guy that, that, that goes and he definitely makes the magic happen for them. And, you know, he can kind of be a little bit elusive uh, you know, he can kind of get out of the pocket and make some things happen as well. So yeah, I think it'll be a, a de I definitely think it'll be a fun test for that Miami defensive line, which we expect to be a, you know, one of the strengths of the team. Yeah. He is a guy, like you said, I think the first thing that pops up with him is his pocket mobility. He's definitely shifty in the pocket, tough to bring down. He's not like some running quarterback, yep. but he is a guy that if he has to scramble, he can go pick up seven or eight yards on a scramble and keep the chains moving. So he can be frustrating to a defense in that regard. Um, and I agree, like he's at his best when he's kind of getting the ball out quick. The arm talent won't necessarily blow you away on the deep shots, but I do think it's interesting, Gabby. He is not afraid to take shots downfield. Like yeah. he will give his receivers, if they have one on one uh, coverage, he'll give them opportunities to go win that one on one. Definitely. Um, so I think in 2021, pro football focus, like of quarterbacks that had at least. 300 um, dropbacks. He had like the fifth longest depth of target, average depth of target. So his average depth of target, I think that year was like 12 and a half yards downfield. Now, I think it is worth noting that he, that 2021 season, he had two pretty talented group of five wide receivers and Jack Sorensen, who had 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns that year. And Mac Hippenhammer, great Hippen college Hammer. football name. That's yeah, that's that's uh, what I was talking about. Hippenhammer. So he was there in 2021, and then last year he was there, he yeah. was his top guy. Yeah. Um so he had two big time receivers to work with as he was pushing the ball downfield in 2021. So I am curious if that'll still be the approach here in 2022. Um but yeah, he's kind of just that slippery uh group of five quarterback that to me, the big thing, Gabby, with with defending a guy like that is you can't let him get confidence. You can't let him gain momentum as the game continues. I feel like we saw that last year with the Chase Cunningham guy with Middle Tennessee State, right? Yeah. Like he he started feeling himself because he was, you know, letting it rip. He had an out of body experience against the Hurricanes in that game. Um, 
that was for the most part exclusive to that game for him uh, that season. But Miami just can't let Brett Gabbert get that rhythm, get that confidence. Um, I'm curious, does he, you know, watching him, does he remind you of anyone that you've seen either Miami play against or at the college level in general? Yeah, I, I'm not very good at these player comps. And I, I think this is, I mean, I think I'm talking about like dollar general store brand, like just fair. I'm talking, I'm just thinking like the swag, Um, you know, I'm thinking about like the measurables, I guess, just kind of like just the overall mentality kind of approach to how he plays the elusiveness is like, I'm thinking like dollar store brand, Johnny Manziel. Okay. Okay. Like just like the style of play and kind of like the chip on his shoulder he kind of has. And again, his he willingness to kind of, he, I think his willingness to even just throw the ball up and have his receivers go make a play. Um, again, he's not like Johnny obviously is not a runner, but he was able to, you know, move, move it a little bit with his legs. He was kind of a guy that could operate out of the outside of the pocket. Again, make, just make some magic happen. And I think Gabber has a little bit of that to a much, much, much smaller uh, extent. Sure. So that, that, that was kind of who I thought of, of just like a, you know, really dollar store brand, uh, Johnny body Manziel. types body types yeah. are definitely similar yeah um i i see shades and again this isn't this isn't a great comp in terms of body types but like in terms of like approach and the way they kind of like aren't afraid to take shots downfield even though they might not have like the biggest of arms i see shades of chase bryce the app state quarterback that we saw miami play against in 2021 uh, Chase was an aggressive quarterback. He had moxie about him. Gabbert's definitely more athletic as a scrambler. Chase probably has a better arm, uh, and he's six three two thirty, whereas uh, Brett is more six foot two hundred type of guy. Uh, but just in terms of their approach of managing the game and willing to still take deep shots against talent that is on a different level than their team that they play on and going back to that chase Bryce cop. So when Miami played app state in 2021, um, chase Bryce finished that game 21 to 34 for 199 with one touchdown and one interception. So just their approach kind of the way, again, they're not afraid to take those shots downfield. Uh, I, I saw some shades of chase Bryce in Brett Gabbard, not the best, comp but that's who he's that, not the that easiest guy to comp for i mean he's an right. un, he's a he's a physically limited uh you know quarterback with some swag and some ev- ev- right. elusiveness so it's tough to pin down how about strengths of miami of ohio in general because we both watched them a little bit from 2022 yeah. i think one thing that stands out to me gabby is just in general and this could go on both sides of the ball uh i think they are a team that definitely has an identity Mm-hmm. And I think those teams are always dangerous, especially when they're a group of five team, uh, because just human nature, you're going to overlook a group of five team. But Miami of Ohio is in their 10th year of the Chuck Martin era, and he definitely has a style that uh, I think you see permeate throughout those 10 years. Uh, they are a well-coached team. They know who they are and who they aren't. Um, You know, the offense, I think, is predicated more on a passing style. Uh, They want to run the football, but for the most part, I feel like they 
uh, pass the ball to set up the run. And um, they, they do show some tempo at times, which is fun to watch. And then defensively, you know, they, their identity is just, we're going to stop the run and make you beat us on the outside. So again, when you're in year 10 of a coaching tenure here in this modern era of college football, that means that coach has established his identity there and um, they like what he does. And, um, you know, they, they are highly successful as well here in the recent years. I think the stat is like in the last 50 Mac games um, that Miami of Ohio has played, they're like 34 and 16, which is the best of any last 50 Mac games uh, in the conference. So they're, they're a good solid Mac team that, Again, know who they are, know who they aren't, and they play to those strengths. Yeah, I mean, to me, I see a team that, especially defensively, want, I mean, want, they want to win. They want to win at the line of scrimmage. I think they're very aggressive. Um, you know, just with the way that they kind of just dial it up. I mean, the the defensive line play is is very good. You can tell that there's a that there's a, a concentration. Uh, you know, again, they want to stop the run. They want to kind of get into the backfield. They want to make things very difficult. Um, on the on opposing offensive lines, on the quarterbacks, on the running backs, and, and they want to kind of create those havoc that those havoc plays. They want to create pressure, um, you know. And I, I think they do it very well. And you saw you see them do it very well against teams that matter. I mean, uh, you know, again, watching them play against Kentucky last year, watching them play Northwestern, um, even going back a year before, watching them play Minnesota. Um, you know, they, they against Power Five teams, these guys are these guys are getting after it on the defensive line and they do make it, uh, you know, really, they make it hard on teams. Again, they, they know what they want to do. And uh, again, I think, you know, I, I, th- I think it makes it very difficult to kind of, you know, play a team like that because they're going to play hard. They're going to come in uh, with the mentality that they're going to grind this thing out, that they're going to, you know, try to win that game. Uh, and I, I think that really, again, them being a top tier Mac team, uh, you know, they play, uh, you know, in, in a way that allows them to, especially in that conference, uh, you know, just give people a ton of trouble. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the Hurricanes offensive line is is going to absolutely have to come prepared. Obviously, that's Mario Cristobal's MO. Um, but I think that those guys are going to have some some interesting looks that they're going to have to pass off. And, you know, with the way that uh, that Red Hawks defensive front stunts, the way they send pressure, the way they even just show pressure, but maybe even drop, but, but will drop back and uh, different things like that. So, I mean, I think defensively specifically, uh, they were, they're honestly a lot of fun to watch because uh, they absolutely send it and uh, it, it's, and, and they, they make things happen. I mean, they make it difficult for people. So uh, Will Levis is a first round quarterback. A uh, guy got drafted super high. Uh, I mean, pretty, I mean, he went in the first round and, you know, he, he had his moments, uh, you know, against that Miami of Ohio defense last year. Yeah, I think, so they returned pretty much all of their starting or all of their two deep on the defensive line and the strength of that group, they have good tackles too, but their defensive events definitely catch your eye. Uh, and, and they are transfers from some power five schools. So Ben Uglu comes from Rutgers. Corey Suttle comes from Iowa state. And then their third defensive end, Caden Woolyard is their guy that they've developed there. But all these guys look the part. They're all about in the range from six, three to six, five. They carry their weight. Well, they have good, nice get off last year. That trio combined for 88 pressures and 15 sacks. So that's kind of where it starts. For them, and then 
also too, I think just, again, this goes back to their identity. Uh, during this Chuck Martin era, Miami of Ohio's had very strong linebacker play uh, over his 10 years there. And for this year's team, they return Matthew Salopek, who uh, generated 124 tackles last year, nine tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks. So he is their middle linebacker that has a nose for the football. So you're right. Their identity on defense is pressure up front, clog it up up front, and make you win on the outside. I also think, too, it's it's worth um, highlighting that their specialists are quite good for the group of five level. They have a punter that returns that uh, average close to 43 yards per punt last year, consistent guy. And uh, their kicker, I believe, went somewhere in the range of like 18 of 23 uh, on his field goal attempts, which is pretty good mark for a group of five kickers. So um, specialists are definitely a strength for Miami of Ohio. How about some weaknesses? Um, I know for me, Gabby, like when you look at these past years of the Miami of Ohio offense, um, it's it's clear that they had some good skill players. We talked about Jack Sorensen. We talked about Mac Hippenhammer um, at the receiver spots. This year, I'm not sure they have that type of guy. Their top returning receiver is Miles Marshall, who played for them last year, was about a 300-yard receiving guy last year. He's kind of their 6'4", 215-pound wide receiver that wins with his size. So he's their top returning guy this year. They also added Joe Wilkins from Notre Dame as a transfer who didn't really play much at Notre Dame, but still uh, you would expect him to have some power five talent and traits, which uh, should have Miami's attention on Friday night. And then Gage Larvidane is a slot receiver transfer addition from the FCS level, Southeastern Louisiana. He's uh People rave about his quickness and his speed. I think he was an all-conference return man and maybe a second-team all-conference wide receiver with the production he put up at the FCS level. So I think the main point here with with their skill talent and, and running back, they just – the Chuck Martin era, they're always a by-committee approach. Um, while Chuck Martin's been there over the last 10 years – They've never produced a thousand yard running back or quite frankly, even come close to having a thousand yard running back. It, it seems like they just want to have three or four running backs that produce like anywhere from 300 to 700 yards in a season. Um, and they just keep it rotating. So for me, I'm just not sure going into the season that there's like a go-to skill player for Brett Gabbert to play off of, um, and so I think that's something they're going to have to figure out this year. Yeah. I mean, that was the first thing I wrote down was just like the lack of, you know, experienced playmakers, uh, you know, guys that again, they lost their top returning wide receiver uh, last year. I mean, just going into this year. And a lot of those guys are just kind of unproven. They don't really have 
uh, those guys where you're, where you're looking at them and it's like, Oh, Hey, here's their all conference wide receiver. Like that guy's gone. And then you kind of, you go back to running back and, you know, again, it's, it's not like they have, you know, again, this game breaking, like super overly electric guy. I mean, I like the Mosey kid, uh, but he's a little bit small, but he's a guy that kind of, you know, I think does some good stuff for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's probably where I'm looking at Miami of Ohio. And, uh, you know, I, I that's where I think maybe there maybe there's just question marks. I'm not saying that they're, the guy's right. not on the roster, but I think we just don't know yet. They probably don't know yet. Um, so that's absolutely one spot that I'm looking at them and thinking like that's a place where, you know, Miami could potentially have an advantage, especially if they're going to kind of, you know, want to pass the ball if they're going to want to spin it around and i think with Miami, the strength of miami's defensive line i, I think that kind of plays to them where you know the, i think the corners are aren't in a position where they're going to be like overly tested or just like overly uh you know i, I don't know i just don't think they're gonna be like overmatched or anything like that and uh you know those guys can kind of pin their ears back and and, and get after it so i think that that's a matchup that kind of bodes well for miami um and then on, on and then also too just like with how aggressive i think that the defensive that Miami of Ohio defensive line is I think when they don't get home I think it kind of puts a lot of people like I think it puts the back end of the defense in a place where you know they're kind of like off coverage and I think it's an I think it kind of puts them in a position where guys again just from what I watched against some of these power five teams uh, it kind of gives those pass catchers space plenty of space to kind of you know catch and run and and make a guy miss and go create some of those you know, big chunk plays. And I I don't think they give up a ton of like explosives because I think they kind of, it looked to me like they kind of played like maybe more like a bend, but don't break a lot of off coverage, you know, kind of keep everything in front of you. But I do think it gives, uh they, it, it allows the opportunity for a lot of those, you know, 15, 20 yard gains, or, you know, even, you know, that eight to 12 yards, whatever the case is, um, what, because of, you know, when that defensive line doesn't get home. So I think those are a couple areas where I think Miami can find uh, some success that I think, you know, some others at the power five level kind of, uh, you know, I think that's where they found success also when, uh, you know, that, that Miami of Ohio defensive line doesn't really get home. Yeah. I think on paper going into this season, cornerback is a position of concern for the Red Hawks, kind of a new look group there. They lost their best player, their best corner. Last year, uh, John Saunders Jr. is it transferred to Ole Miss, so they've had to replace him. Um, and I think offensively, they kind of feel like offensive line. They they feel encouraged about the body types they have there, but they just want to see how it looks on game day. Is the impression I'm under because uh, it was an issue offensive line was an issue for Miami of Ohio last year. So I think those are kind of the two position groups in particular that they feel are the weakest. Um, wide receiver, I think, is a question mark, but they kind of feel like they at least have some talent there. They might be able to figure it out. Um, but offensive line and cornerback would be the two position groups I would circle myself if I'm looking at – areas of weakness for the Hurricanes to exploit. You've mentioned how you watched them uh, in that 37-13 to 13 loss at Kentucky to open the 2022 season, Gabby. Um, what in particular stood out to you just about how that game played out, maybe how Miami of Ohio matched up against them and, and the areas where, they, where it was clear that Kentucky kind of had a significant advantage? 
Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I mean, I think that that was, I think they were super competitive in that game. And uh, I, I think the score, um, you know, obviously the score is a score, but uh, the, that game was extremely close for basically, you know, it was definitely the entire the entire first half. And really, two it was two plays that kind of really kind of broke it open for Kentucky. And that was a kickoff return to open up the second half from Barry and Brown. And then, uh, you know, I think the first or one of the first offensive plays uh, Miami Ohio ran when they got the ball back after that kick return, they fumbled the ball and Kentucky got it, like, I think inside the 10. Um, you know, so I think that really swung the game around. But it was 13-10 at the half. And, yep. uh, you know, there were times, I mean, th- uh, that Miami Ohio defense gave Will Levis, you know, a really difficult time. He threw a really bad pick in the end zone, um, you know, that I think that was, that was a great play by one of those corners. Maybe it was the John Saunders kid that went to Ole Miss. I'm honestly not sure. But, you know, they, they absolutely, you know, competed. Um, you know, I think they played a really good game. Again, that defensive line, uh, you know, I think that they were just like, – I thought that they were really good. You know, they really made things hard. And, again, I think in that second half, it just kind of – it broke open a little bit. And I think that uh, that's the game that that Brett Gabbert got ended up getting hurt. So I think he ended up missing a part of the second half. But I think it, it just kind of – I think once Kentucky kind of padded up that lead, Miami, Ohio had to kind of start pressing more. And I just don't think that that was kind of like a, a spot that they kind of wanted to be. And I think Kentucky kind of ended up having uh, their way. You know, especially – I think they had success passing the ball. I think they only ran for like 50 yards in the whole game, though. Like I don't think that they right. ran the ball particularly well against that Miami, Ohio defense. So, you know, they were definitely – they were definitely stout. Um, I think even against, uh, I mean, Northwestern obviously is probably, was probably one of the worst power five teams in the country last year, but, um, I mean, Miami of Ohio, you know, absolutely. I think they won that game truly on both sides on the line of scrimmage. So, uh, you know, I think that's definitely a place where they pride themselves and, you know, even going back to the 2021 season, uh, Minnesota kind of got up on them big early. They were able to find success running the ball. Uh, you know, Tanner Morgan was a veteran quarterback for for the Golden Gophers, had him up to I, I think they, they were up 21 to three early in the game. Mm-hmm. Miami, Ohio battles back and gets that gets that game. You know, it, it ends up being a 21 to 20 game at one point. Uh, you know, Minnesota went on to win. But, you know, this is a team that can get down in a power five environment and kind of climb their way back because of, you know, the way that they kind of play. They forced I think in every single one of those games, uh, they forced turnovers, maybe multiple turnovers. Uh, you know, they do a good job of, again, creating pressure, uh, hit, you know, finding the ball, punching the ball, whether that be interceptions or, you know, again, I think they do a good job of really just attacking the football when they're kind of bringing down ball carriers. And that's definitely an area where they pride themselves. And I know Mario Cristobal gave us stat about like their pressure rate and turnover margin being one of the best. And uh, again, I think that that's a spot where they try to do the little things really well that really can help turn the game. So, I mean, I think they play those power five opponents tough and, you know, they they kind of they, they go into a lot of these they go into these environments really annually and uh, they schedule these games and and they compete. So, you know, you know, tip of the cap to, to those guys. I think it's going to be uh, I, I definitely think Miami's going to have to come and, you know, really play a, a good solid game against uh, the Red Hawks and, you know, to kind of do what they want to do. One thing that stood out to me about the Kentucky game last year. And I'm curious how that translates to the hurricane game this year. Um, to me, Gabby, it seemed like Kentucky at wide receiver had a significant speed advantage yeah. against Miami of Ohio's defensive backs. And I would say just my sense on it, I think Kentucky's receiver group last year 
has more juice than what Miami Hurricanes uh, yeah. wide receiver group has this year. And so I'm curious how that plays out. Because yeah. Will Levis still, like, I agree that like the pressures got to him a little bit, but he still threw for 300 yards yeah, in that game. Yeah, he's got a great right? game. And the, uh, the Kentucky receivers were kind of open a lot. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of going back. That's kind of what I was going back to earlier. Like I feel like when that defensive line doesn't kind of get home, it kind of creates that space for those wide receivers to make plays. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be on the wider Miami, you know, the Hurricanes wide receivers to kind of make those plays. To, I'm just to, skeptical. To create that separation. I'm just skeptical that Miami's receivers could create separation um, against power five corners. And so I'm curious how that plays out against yeah. a group of five cornerback group in Miami of Ohio. Mm-hmm. So if they can't create separation against this group, I think that's that's going to be that's a not, telling that's sign. That's not a good sign. Yeah, that won't be a good thing. I think also Kentucky had a really significant special teams advantage. And I'm not talking about just like field goals. Like they returned the kick and they also blocked a punt that kind of put them on the goal line. And that might have been when Will Levis threw the pick. Um, but, you know, they had, again, Kentucky was able to do certain things like that to kind of swing that game, you know, that third phase of the game that kind of gets lost in all of that. So let's see. I think others it, honestly had good return, just like returns against uh, yeah. against Miami of Ohio from a special team standpoint. Yeah. Kentucky's receiver group. And those were the receivers on those returns. Yeah. Like they had some juice last yeah. year in terms of speed. Yeah, for sure. um, one thing that stood out to me too, just Miami of Ohio's approach really early on when they were still fighting and in the game, uh, they went for it quite a bit on fourth down yeah. and they got it three times. Um, so I just hope Miami defensively is ready for that approach, right? Like just know that that aggressive mentality is, is going to be there. Um, and yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with Northwestern. Like to me, that was a game like, yes, Northwestern was awful last year. They went one at 11, but uh, Miami of Ohio was playing with their backup quarterback who was a, a limited passer. Um, because Brett Gabbert was hurt and held out of that action. But um, Miami of Ohio was hanging around in that game. They found a way to win thanks to a three-play 75-yard touchdown drive with seven minutes left in the game that tied it. And then they hit a game-winning field goal with 21 seconds left in the game. So kind of went into an environment, hung in there, hung in there, hung in there, figured it out, and won the game. Minnesota, you're right, like, they fought back to get back into that game. And um, that was the only game that like in terms of those three games where the opponent really did run the ball. Well, their leading yeah. rusher, Minnesota's leading rusher at 178 yards and two touchdowns. And that Minnesota offensive line was quite good that year. So yeah. um, these are just kind of, I'm just throwing that stuff out there in terms of just like barometers and each year's different. Each team is different. But like if my if the Miami Hurricanes receivers can't get separation on this group like Kentucky's receivers did last year, to me, that's kind of a sign to just tuck away in the back of your head. And also, too, just from a run blocking, run push perspective, uh, Minnesota's 2021 offensive line was quite good at that. And they were able to have running success against a Mac group of five defense that is annually pretty good against the run. If Miami can't run the ball against this Mac front seven, who again is good for a Mac front seven, 
but Miami wants to run the ball consistently against power five opponents. If they can't get it done in this matchup, to me, that's going to be telling. So, um, Gabby, let's take a quick break and we will get into some talk from the Miami side of things. Just some things we want to see uh, from the game from a Miami Hurricanes perspective. Uh, some matchups we like, some matchups we are keeping our eye on, guys that need to step up, all that good stuff. So after this break, we'll dive into that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back. All right, Gabby, I asked for three things that we want to see from the game. We might have some overlap here. Uh, yeah. But anyways, I'll I'll let you have first crack. What is, and this can be anything, right? But uh, what is? Give me something you want to see from this game, from the Miami Hurricane standpoint. Yeah, I think it goes back to something that you know. Again, I think we really kind of talked touched on a little bit. Is just I think for me, it's just the most important thing is just winning the line of scrimmage. And I think I and that's on you know on both sides of the ball. I think it's going to be. Again, I think what they do defensively with and Miami's offensive line, I think is going to be great. Like, I think they're going to be able to handle it, uh, you know, and I think that's exactly what these guys we mean, need to see it. We, we need, need to, to see it. it. We for sure need to see it. So I I, I definitely want to see how that offensive line responds to, uh, you know, what Miami of Ohio does. And then, you know, kind of same thing on the defensive side of the ball. I think Miami's defensive line has, you know, an advantage. Uh, so I want to see them just be, I, I want to see Miami on both sides of the ball, just kind of come out on top. And we're just like, yeah, you know, Miami definitely owned the trenches. And that's one of the big things I kind of want to see on Friday night. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're speaking to is kind of the proof of concept of the vision for right. Mario Cristobal and what he wants the hurricanes to be. Um, and I agree, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Look, I think we all know, like, yes, they're going to a spread offense with some air raid principles. But at the end of the day, Mario Cristobal wants to run the ball. And if Miami can't get that done against the Red Hawks, I have a hard time seeing that happening in week two against Texas A&M. So, um, you know, we've talked to, we've talked a lot about how the offensive line is going to be much improved. I believe that it is going to be much improved, particularly in the run game. Uh, and now you got to go show that against a pretty good Mac group of five run defense. So I agree. That was kind of one of my points too. For me, Gabby, one thing I want to see, and this is relative to last year because it was non-existent for much of last year, we got to see some explosives in the passing game. 
yeah. um, Miami was one of the least explosive power five offenses through the air, well, air and ground last year. Uh, but Jet, you know, look, we talk, we know like Mario Cristobal wants to establish the run, and, and that's great. You got to balance. I'm all for that. But to me, of course, the ceiling of what this offense could be will be defined by the jump that the passing game makes. Um, and so I think you got to have, you got to give those guys opportunities to build some confidence going into a Texas A&M game week in week two, where the level of competition on the outside, you know, is going to be significantly ramped up. And so I think you want to see again, Miami's playmakers on the outside, the hurricanes, um, you know, generate some explosives against the Red Hawks secondary, because if you can't do it against the Red Hawks, again, I have a hard time seeing that happening all of a sudden against the Aggies. So give them some opportunities. We hear about how Shannon Dawson preaches to uh, the personnel about we're going to be explosive. We're going to take shots down the field. I think we saw that in the scrimmage that we got to watch Gabby, but it needs to play out in games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the points I wrote down, just receivers winning their matchups. You know, I think it's about, I think just watching the receivers, like the receivers kind of doing what they kind of need to do in this game of just, I I think it's going to be so important just for the rhythm, for the flow of of everything that they kind of want to do for these receivers to kind of get going in this game. I think it's a great opportunity for them, uh, you know, to, to make plays, to kind of build that confidence heading into Texas A&M. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I think finding, hitting on some of those explosives, uh, you know, really just being efficient, you know, just being productive on the outside, I think would be big. Um, you know, I like I just obviously I watched some of the power five games. I watched them. I watched them play. Uh, I watched Miami of Ohio play against the Ohio University. I'm pretty sure it's you know Ohio University. And, you know, Ohio's big six foot four, you know, big outside wide receiver had a fantastic game against that Miami of Ohio defense in that in, you know, again, kind of back half of the year. Um towards the end. And, you know, I think I'm looking at a guy like Colby young and being like, can you, like, you are, you are a mismatch. Like you, you are the match. Like you're, you are the guy that creates a mismatch. Like, can you be, can you be that guy in this game? Because there's, it's, it's very unlikely that this kind of, you know, really unproven, you know, question mark cornerback room that they kind of have a guy that's going to be able to kind of do like, you know, again, if you can do all the things that we think you can do um, that you have shown that you can do in the past. So I'm even looking at a guy like Colby young to kind of step up in this game. I think he could have a, a big opportunity. Yeah, the way I kind of view Miami's wide receiver group, and I I hope they prove me wrong, but I don't see them as a group that can like really separate um, from corners with their route running ability slash speed slash change of direction and all that. I mean, some guys can, of course, better than others. In general, I don't know if this wide receiver group is that, but I do think maybe where they can be halfway decent is by making tough contested catches. Like we've seen Colby, Colby Young flash that ability. We've seen Jacoby George flash that ability. So when you're one-on-ones in that way, if uh, if you're going to be productive as a receiver. So that's kind of what I'm looking for here from this group in general. Um, one, one other thing I'm looking at, Gabby, and again, this is kind of just like a, I don't know, maybe this is an unfair point to make, but, I want to see the competitive response to adversity because 
I do think there's a chance that, you know, I mean, hopefully Miami starts fast. Like, that's always great. But I think there's a chance Miami of Ohio comes out and punches the Hurricanes in the mouth. And we got to see how the Hurricanes respond. Absolutely. And that was a significant issue last year, um, that competitive response to adversity. You know, look, I, I hope Tyler Van Dyke's thumb issue is very minor and a non-issue. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on. And if, if he gets off to a slow start and, you know, starts like holding his hand and, you know, starts showing signs of like, oh, I'm struggling here because of my thumb, you know, I think we've seen how that type of vibe has sucked the air out of the building before. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that, and this is beyond Tyler Van Dyke too. like big plays. If, if there's busts in the secondary and big plays are generated by the Red Hawks, uh, how do they respond coming off that? So this is more of like a, uh, culture point that, you know, we'll see how that plays out, but just come out, be competitive, handle your business respond because you know of course miami of ohio has players too and they're gonna make plays but how does how do the hurricanes respond to those adverse situations that will happen in a game yeah and again i, I think that this is a miami of ohio team that has been extremely competitive in these power five matchups like especially early on in the season uh you know i think that this is a team that's going to come in with with you know with some confidence and feeling like they can make this a game and they have their veteran quarterback kind of leading the way and Again, a strong defensive line. Like they're strong at some key at some key parts, and you know they th this game could absolutely be tight. I mean, they went into you know an SEC school's backyard, you know, into their stadium last year. Again, it was thirteen to ten at halftime, and yes, Kentucky separated themselves. But I mean, this could very easily be a game that is close. I'm not saying it will be, but this could be a game that definitely has its its moments. You know, especially in that first half, and how does Miami? kind of respond to that. I think it's, I think that's huge. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I think that's probably potentially one of the most important things that we're going to kind of see on, on Saturday or on Friday is just figuring out how Miami is going to kind of, you know, one come out, like, are they going to come out kind of ready to kind of set the tone and two, if, if right. not, how do they kind of, how do they kind of respond to whatever the flow of the game is if it doesn't go necessarily perfectly? So um, I think either way, I mean, it's we're, we're definitely going to learn something about Miami early on in the game uh, Friday. Is there a matchup you like most for the Miami Hurricanes in this game? The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions 
shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Um, I would say Miami's defensive line against the uh, Miami of Ohio offensive line, just because I think that, again, I think that they're replacing starters, uh, that Miami of Ohio offensive line. And again, I think that the Miami's defensive line is going to be one of the absolute strengths, especially from a pass rushing standpoint. Uh, I think, you know, the, the again, this offense kind of goes around uh, Brett Gabbert. And I think Miami is going to try to make things extremely difficult for him. I think that, again, what they do defensively, uh, I, I think if you are not like, again, an ex- super experienced uh uh, obviously there's some physical limitations along the off uh, Miami's Ohio's offensive line. I'm not saying that they're small guys, but you know, they're definitely not, you know, athleticism. Elite. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's just some limitations. So I think Miami's defensive line should kind of be able to have, you know, their way uh, with, you know, again, setting the tone and, and winning that line of winning the line of scrimmage and again, just kind of collapsing things on Brett Gabbard and, you know, kind of putting him in really tough positions. And he is elusive, but, you know, I, I still think that he's not like the greatest like off platform passer. So I think you want to put him in spots where he has to make, you know, tough throws uh, into tight windows. And uh, I think Miami's defensive line has an opportunity to really make things uh, hard for for Miami of Ohio up front. I agree. That's the one thing I circled. Just, you know, Miami's defensive line should have a good day. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, a matchup that, you know, maybe, I don't know if worry is the right word, yeah. but just a, an area to monitor. You know, I, I do think it's fair to say, let's just see how the Hurricanes handle Miami of Ohio's front seven, because yeah. they're, they're going to do some stunt games. They're going to send blitzes. They have good players in their front seven. Um, How does Miami handle that? You know, the communication needs to be on point. Uh, I feel like it's going to be, but it's game one and game one stuff is going to happen. So um, that's kind of an area I'm monitoring. Also too, last thing I'll say is just Tyler Van Dyke's thumb deal. 
I don't know what it is, right? I don't know how serious it is. I just think it's 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 unfortunate that we have to deal with this going into the season. Uh, it's definitely like a, a stroke of bad luck, but that's football, right? Uh, this stuff happens. I just want to see how it goes with Tyler Van Dyke and his thumb deal. Yeah, I think that that's a... I think that's a big one because again, we, we, it's just, you never really know, right. It's not like we have like every single detail on how this has gone or the way that this thumb is kind of responding. We're told, and, we're told he's fine. Yeah. We're, everyone's telling us, but he's there's fine. definitely, there's definitely an issue he's playing through. Right. I think. And that matters, right? Yeah. Like every, every percentage point below your hundred percent best matters. Right. Yeah. And I think, look, and we've seen Tyler, you know, try to grind things out before and gut things out before. And, you know, t- you know, again, he he's a tough dude. And I don't think anyone can deny that he's willing to play right. through uh, some pain and, and you know, kind of do all that stuff. But again, how much how much is that thumb really going to impact things? How how bad is the thumb? I mean, he's probably going to take a shot on it like he's going to get hit. I mean, that's very likely. So how does he respond to maybe some you know, a little bit even more on it. Like if, once he kind of starts getting bounced around a little bit. So, you know, I, th- I think, though, I think that's a very fair thing to kind of just keep eyes on and, um, and yeah, you know, it's kind of, let's see how, how Tyler Van Dyke kind of goes through four quarters of, of a game here. Guy that needs to step up for the Miami hurricanes. Who would yeah. you bring to the table? I mean, I'm looking at Jacoby George just because, again, I think I do think that, uh, you know, with the way that Miami, I think, can pass it around. I think he could have opportunities, especially if the offensive line is is kind of protecting, you know, doing its thing, which I expect them to. You know, I think that they're obviously very good. And I think Jacoby George is going to have a chance to really just make things happen, uh, you know, if the ball gets in his hands. So um, I think it's going to be, you know, maybe some of that yards after catch stuff. I think if he I think he could be a potential, you know, difference maker. And I I just want to see more from him. I feel like I've always kind of wanted to see more from Jacoby George. So, um, you know, in a game where I think Miami should find some success in the passing game, uh, you know, I would like to see Jacoby George kind of take a step forward, you know, here going into his junior year. We're thinking alike, but I'm going to go Colby Young. Yeah. And the reason is, you know, look, I think we both feel like he's wide receiver one. I think everyone internally feels like he's wide receiver one, but you got to produce like wide receiver one. Um, so go out in game one and do that. Um, potential player of the game could go a lot of ways here yeah i think we go go a lot of ways here um i don't know man i i think that this could be a potential leonard taylor game uh you know just because i think that i think yeah i want i think i I almost put him down for like guy that needs to step up and like player of the game because i think if he steps up he could have he could be like a player of the game type um look i mean i think this is a year we need to kind of see leonard taylor take that next step um, you know, I think there's still maybe, you know, I, I think you kind of have to keep, you know, kind of have to light the fire with Leonard, but I think that this is a game where just physically he should have such an advantage against, you know, an, an interior yeah. offensive line. And again, I think with Miami's emphasis on pressure and just kind of getting back there, I think he could just be really disruptive. I think he has an opportunity to be really disruptive in this game. And of course, you know, I know Miami's going to rotate guys. I think they want to maybe keep him on the field a little bit more. Um, you know, he's, I, I think he's bigger, stronger. I think he's 
taking the right steps from an approach standpoint. And uh, again, I, I think Leonard Taylor could have a, a big game. And uh, I think if he puts it, if he kind of has the game that he should have in this type of environment, uh, I think he has the potential to be a, you know, multiple tackle for loss type of guy and really just do a lot of, a lot of great things for Miami in the middle of that defense. I will say Nigel Kelly. So defensive line, but on the edge there and, uh, you know, opportunity for him to go and show out and produce in a big way. I kind of want to put Ruben Bain, but I thought about Har- like when freshman. I was when I was like going to say it, I was like, am I calling an audible right now? And I was thinking about Bain. He's going to he's he's, he's going to have a great game. game. He's going to have a but, great uh, game. But let's see it. All right. So next we got some s- sports line projections. Um, this is like their daily fantasy for college football. So if you're a sicko like that, uh, I'm here for it. But they give some some projections for this game. Uh, and so I want to make over unders out of that. Um, and we'll start with Tyler Van Dyke, Miami quarterback. They project him to pass for 320 yards. Would you take the over or under? Um, I'll take the under there. Same. Yeah. What about 280? What would you say? I would probably still go. I don't know. I was thinking like he's gonna be like two sixty five, two seventy five around okay. there. Like I think that's I would fair. probably. I think that's. I would probably still go under two eighty. I think three twenty is a, a big number. But maybe again, maybe we're. Let's see how much they're gonna spin that thing around. We'll see. Would you feel different if there wasn't any thumb? Yeah. Thumb oh yeah. Gate? For sure. If thumb gate wasn't a thing, I think that they would probably let him loose a little bit more. But I also think just because of all this, they're probably gonna. I think they again. I think they want to run the ball. And I think just because of this, they're going to protect Tyler by maybe running the ball, the ball more than maybe they even intended to going into this game. So that's why I just think 320 is just a little a little too steep for me. I would agree. Uh, is that a real we'll be, line? Because I might download that app and just take the under right now. <laughs> I don't think that's like a real bet, but like uh, okay. that's that's what they project. Uh, Got you. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Colby Young. They have at fifth. They project at fifty-two receiving yards. I'm I'm actually going to go over here. I think Colby Young's going to have a. I think Colby Same. Young is going to have a good game, and uh, I think he. I think fifty-two receiving yards is. You know, I think he can. I think honestly, truthfully, I think he can go far past seventy that. plus. Yeah, I think he can have one of those games for sure. Brett Gabbert, two hundred and ten passing yards. Uh, honestly, I think I, I would probably go under here just because I don't know what they have at wide receiver. Um, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see what this, even the, what this Miami Ohio offense even really looks like. And maybe I'm going under just cause I just don't know. Um, but David, I know you wrote that his average, right. um, stat line against, uh, these power five schools. I think he, what he averages 199 yards per game. Yep. He's like right around 200. So yeah. And most of those games, he was not over 200. So uh, I would take the under. Yeah, I think I'm going under there too. All right. The betting lines for this game. Last I looked, according to Caesar Sportsbook, Miami was a 16 and a half point favorite. Which would you, which side of that would you fall on? I, I'll say, I'll go first. I just where I'm at with this program, with this team right now. And again, I don't. I'm not a betting man. I do not put my own money on these bets. So don't follow my advice. But 
I would take Miami of Ohio plus 16 and a half. That's where I'm at with this. Definitely would take Miami of Ohio six plus 16 and a half. And again, I think what I think Miami was really terrible against the spread last year. And I just made, yeah, they were, they were just awful. So I think just statistically, do you know, do you know which ones they covered against? If you were to guess, oh, man, uh, they were both wins. They were both wins. Uh, Virginia, no, was it Virginia? No, it couldn't have been Virginia. Nope. Uh, Georgia Tech. Yep. And the other one is just Virgi- sicko. Virginia Tech. No, it's sicko stuff. Bethune, Bethune Cookman. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you covered against Bethune and Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, you got to show us before we start yeah, believing right. you to cover for sure. 17 point spreads basically great team uh, great teams covered over under 45 points i think i'm also gonna take the under there um again i just feel like i just need to see and i also don't know how many points miami ohio is going to kind of put up um so i i think i'm i think with my with my score projection i think i'm under that so yeah uh, i think I'm gonna go under. Up. i uh i'm barely over barely 45 is not that high. Come on. It's not if, high. Yeah. It feels like a, it feels like a little, like an AFC East like <laughs> line. All right. So game prediction time. You want me to go first or you go first? Yeah. I mean, you, you can go first if you'd like. So I got the Hurricanes 30, Red Hawks 17. Um, one thing, just in general, I'm curious going into this game is, is what is the approach going to be? offensively uh again we know miami of ohio's run defense is clearly their strength on that side of the ball but you know mario cristobal is going to want to establish the run uh, we all know tyler van dyke and his thumb deal does that limit the passing at any way does that change their approach and wanting to run the ball more um, but within that i feel like miami of ohio's cornerback group is a pretty big question mark for their defense And quite frankly, I think it's important to build confidence in the passing game. So um, I'm just curious what their approach is going to be offensively. Defensively, I think we're going to see an aggressive approach. They're going to send pressures and just depend on the corners to to win their one-on-one matchups. And hopefully they do that more times than not, of course. Um, and, And ultimately, Gabby, like, again, we both picked Miami of Ohio plus 16 and a half. But really here, the bottom line is like, if you are a real team this year, Miami Hurricanes, you go out and beat the spread. You go out and beat Miami of Ohio by 17 or more points. And so I think we're going to know where this team is at. I think it's a, it's a nice little snapshot of like, okay, is this year going to be another slog or is this team potentially different? Um, because I think there is a path. I think there is a scenario where the Hurricanes cruise. Now, I'm not predicting that after last year. Um, but you go through some of these matchups and it's like, man, like Miami, if they're real, if they're about this, they can go win by 24 plus points. Uh, I'm not predicting that again. Um, but... I think there is a path to get that done. And uh, again, if you've taken the steps you think you've taken, 
since last year, you go out and you play that way. Yeah, to your point, I mean, I'm just watching. I, I, I can so easily convince myself to just go like, Miami by a million here like I feel like there is obviously a a way uh, like I think there's absolutely a scenario where Miami wins comfortably and you know just runs away with it and all that stuff but again I think for me more and especially I think there I think there are a lot of like offensive question marks for Miami of Ohio and I, I, my my score prediction is 27 13 like I don't know how much those guys are going to be able to do offensively just because of what the personnel um, you know, kind of looks like right now. And maybe it's just because we don't know. And I just think from a Miami standpoint, I, I, just the question about Tyler Van Dyke and what exactly that looks like, I think kind of lingered in my head. Uh, you know, again, sure. their record, their record in the spread, uh, you know, all that stuff. And uh, so when I went 27, 13 uh, in favor of the hurricanes, you know, I was just kind of factoring in that, you know, I do think that this could be a tight game for, you know, at least a half and, yeah, uh, you know, I do think that, you know, they're going to come out kind of, you know, eager and ready to go like the same way they kind of went into Kentucky, like early in the season before everything and and played a competitive uh, game. So, you know, I, I, I do think that it's going to be a team uh, that that gives Miami some some pushback. And again, if you if you're Miami and again, and if you're real like that, 16 and a half point spread should be should be definitely you know, covered. I think you should be able to do all that, but it's just, will they? And I, I just don't think we know enough yet to just, yeah. to just like go I definitely. Like, yes. Like Miami's absolutely covering this up. So uh, we'll see. Um, You know, I think we're, I think we're both kind of erring on the airing on the side of caution when it comes to just picking this game and how wide this differential is going to be. Um, I have it at two touchdowns right now. Uh, you have it at 13. I, I think that that's fair for uh you know where Miami's at right now and how much that they can need to go out there and just kind of show and put and put out there. How would you compare this cuz I think Miami of Ohio is going to be a tough out just you know mainly because of what we've what we've emphasized with them their culture they have kind of a nice little Mac winning tradition there etc cetera, etc cetera. but like okay I think they're better than like the Southern Miss team that Miami handled last year, right? Would you yeah. would you agree with that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean that Southern Miss team had they were uh, missing their quarterback. They were so. missing their quarterback. Frank Gore Jr. did not have a good game, so Miami stopped the run at least in that game. Uh, but they had that wide. They had they Brownlee. did have a, they, yeah the outside wide receiver um, was good. I think he was obviously better than anything Miami of Ohio has. Uh, and then defensively, I thought that they were good, but I think this Miami Ohio defense is is maybe better. And that Southern Miss defense was was well coached up. I mean, their defensive coordinator uh, is now Florida's defensive coordinator, uh, right. Austin Armstrong. So another well coached defense that Miami. The, the big thing with them though is they were missing their quarterback. Yeah. So for sure, if they if had they their weren't, regular, who, who right. knows what would happen there? But like, I think. I don't think Miami of Ohio is better than like the 2021 App State team Miami narrowly beat 25-23. I think that App State team would beat this Miami of Ohio yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. I would probably even take that 2020 UAB team over this Miami of Ohio team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we've seen like Toledo. I think those Toledo teams were better than this Miami of Ohio team. So sure. it's a good solid Mac group of five Miami of Ohio team. 
but they don't like they don't like strike fear in me of like oh wow but again you know middle tennessee state you throw that card on the table to me and i don't know what to say so uh season's finally here we have games uh stay locked onto inside the u.com and uh we will have an instant reaction podcast following that contest and uh, hopefully everyone that listens to this podcast can make it out to the game till next time take care